Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee, and I'm here with a very special guest today for a Psalm Reader episode on Psalm 2. My guest is none other than the illustrious meme master, the Lord's Day Frog. Hey, how's it going, How are you? Lee? I'm doing fine. Doing, How about yourself? Doing well, thank you. So before we get into the discussion of the psalm, uh, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your froggy self? What got you into the yeah. memes? Your your uh, um, your Christian testimony, anything like that? Feel free to tell us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, really, what got me into the memes, uh, since you asked that first, is honestly, I was just scrolling Facebook one day, and uh, I saw the original "It's the Lord's Day, my dude" meme, um, which is just that like little beige frog. It just says, it's the Lord's Day, my dude. Super simple. And uh, I laughed so hard at that. I had no idea why it was so funny to me. Um, But from there, I just, like, I really loved memes ever since I started seeing them on social media. And uh, really just from there, I was like, you know, this seems great. Uh, I would really like to do this. Um, I have a really big desire to see people... uh, be constantly attending church as a regular practice and be in fellowship with the saints, uh, not only on the Lord's Day, but as often as possible. Um, With my particular work schedule, when I'm not memeing, uh, sometimes it's hard for me to participate in things like small groups. So my biggest consumption of fellowship is usually on the Lord's Day. And uh, I just saw a lot of people not really choosing to to remember that day and to, to gather with the other saints. And uh, so I was like, hey, what better way than to make really funny memes as a call to worship? And so uh, that's kind of where I started out, and I started right before COVID last year. Um, so that was kind of weird, <laughs> being a meme, a meme page specifically dedicated to telling people to go to church when a lot of churches weren't meeting. Um, <laughs> So, you know, super weird, but uh, now that the majority of churches are being able to gather together again, it's, it's really just something that, you know, I get to share with some people who uh, do know who I am in my own church that I attend, and um, I'm also able to share with all the people that follow and like the frog. Beautiful. Um, and then as far as my testimony, uh, so I've been a Christian now uh actual repentant follower of Christ since September of 2015. Um, 
basically my wife and I, we got married earlier that year. Um, she had come to the Lord October of 2014, and uh, she was kind of on her own, didn't really know what was going on. Uh, I grew up in church and uh, just walked away from it when I was about 16. Um, and so one day my grandfather came over and he was hanging out with us, and he was answering questions for my wife. And my grandfather, being an immigrant, uh, English is a second language. And so he told my wife in a, a frustrated kind of voice, uh, just trying to reach that or bridge the language gap. He said, you know, you can ask a lot of people a lot of questions, but who are you going to, like, whose answer are you going to take as truth? You know, your pastor, your husband, me, or, or are you just going to read the Bible for yourself? And when he said that to her, <laughs> it really hit her hard because no, like we we had very little Christian friends. She had just like she had just come to the faith a few months prior. I still wasn't really a believer. I was a nominal Christian. Mm-hmm. And when he said that to her, she just really took it to heart. And so that following Monday, when I came home from work, she asked me where her Bible was that I had bought her earlier that year and uh i just really felt conviction in that moment i was like oh man i know exactly where your bible is so i went and got it for her gave it to her and then that conviction hit me hard of like where's your bible and so i went digging through all of my stuff uh stuff that i had packed away for years and i found the bible that my parents had given me when i was 12. And uh, I took it out, and we both sat down that day, and 66 years later, we ended up at the end. So we started in Genesis 1-1, and we read all the way through it. Like, we first took everything. We didn't, we didn't watch TV. We didn't get on social media. We didn't do anything. All we did in our free time was read the Bible. Wow. And, uh, and it was about when I was going through, ironically enough, it was actually really cool, um, so it was when I was going through Chronicles, and it was the repeat of the kings obe- obeying and disobeying and obeying and disobeying. I realized that I was one of those kings. Like, I'm, I'm the guy that, yeah, 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 like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I wasn't really obeying. I wasn't doing the things of my father, you know, God. Oh, man. And it hit me so hard. And so, um, in my, at work, I was in my truck and I just lost it. And I just cried out to God in repentance. And I said, God, I, I need you to change me because I cannot change myself. Like I need repentance. I need, I need to be changed by you. And uh, from that day on, I've, just been pursuing God, trying to do my best to learn as much as possible about him as I can comprehend. And uh, it's been a crazy five, almost six years since. Wow. Dude, that's so powerful. Thank you. That's awesome. 
So, <laughs> we, I, and it's it's funny because as you were as you were saying that, some of the words from Psalm two was uh, were popping up in my head. You know, um, mainly kiss the sun. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you there. We're all going to have to bow sometime, and by God's grace, you were fortunate enough to be led to bow uh, before the sun now and and be able to enjoy a life of fellowship with with Christ and with his church too. So what a, what a great blessing that is. Amen. Dude, yeah. That's awesome. uh, yeah. The, the greatest blessing after my salvation was the fact that, you know, God gave us his word and we're able to do things like this, you know, like talk about it and discuss it and learn more about it. Um, but also to see the truth in it, to be able to guide us away from error. A lot of the Christians that my wife and I did have around me, aside from my grandpa and my dad and a couple others, uh, were people that were either stuck in cults or stuck in like NAR, word of faith kind oh, of tradition. And so every, we, me and my wife, we constantly talk about how grateful and thankful we are to God for my grandfather telling her, simply to read the Bible in that conviction that gave both of us to just really seek out who God truly is and what he's truly said and, uh, and how that saved us from so many pitfalls along the way. Um, so doing something like this, being able to talk about God's word uh, in a way that hopefully builds up the people that are going to listen and also glorifies God in, in the study uh, this is what my wife and I personally were all about with, with the people that we interact with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, um, second Timothy where, um, where Paul's encouraging Timothy, you know, to, to guard, guard the faith, you know, you're to, he's to present the, present the faith, uh, the genuine faith that his mother and his grandmother had. And, you know, thank God that you're, that your grandpa had the uh, had the passion, the drive to to share and challenge his own family, which I think are some of the hardest people to reach. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just challenge them to read the Bible. I mean, it's not rocket science, you know. The word does the yeah. work. Amen. That's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of the word, so we have. We have covenanted together to, to read and discuss Psalm two tonight. Absolutely. So, uh, how about I? How about I read it and we get started? All right, sounds good. I'm going to read it in the ESV, if that's all right. Or do you have the yeah, New American Standard tonight? Uh, I'm. I'll be using the non-Armenian Standard Bible uh, as I the guys that was there <laughs> just thinking the, the, like to say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The non-Arminian standard Bible. I love that yeah. line. Good. I'll, I'll turn there myself. That'll make it so much Great. easier. I'm glad you said that. Okay, Psalm two. Why are the nations in an uproar in the in the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us." He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, 
my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he, may not, be, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Nice. Amen. Here ends the reading. Very good. Um, so, yeah, so what I really like about this poem is that it just seems like it's it's such a good message for people right now. Now, you know, we just I mentioned the COVID thing and churches being closed and whatnot, and then I, it reminds me of our brothers up in Canada right now, who pastors are being arrested and churches are having barricades put up around them. And it's, it, you know, some people look at it and they're like, well, you know, it, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe they were just, you know, not obeying the things. But, but the truth is, is that God is the one who governs his body. And his governance says we should gather together. And if we choose to gather together in a building, you know, who can, who can tell us that we're wrong? And I think that this psalm really just kind of points that out where, you know, it may not be, it may not be that nations are sitting around and, you know, conspiring in some darkly lit room with, with a guy <laughs> that's all in shadows, you know. <laughs> How would we persecute the church today, you know? It, it may not be that exactly, but, but those who do not have God, you know, melting their heart of stone into flesh and, and conforming them into Christ's image, everything they're doing is against the Lord. And so I right. think I mean, that they kind have, of they have no way to honor the Lord at all. I mean, they're they're yeah. he's their enemy, their sworn enemy. Exactly. And so I think that it really kind of like is really just a good reminder for us these first couple of verses um, about the nations being in an uproar and the people's devising a vain thing. It's it's like I said, not necessarily in the cartoon, you know, super villain kind of way, but it's it's people making those decisions to actively disobey God and, and ignore his word and do things that they might deem as correct, but it's, it's just not. <clears throat> well, and um, an, an important word in there, too, is that they are devising a vain thing. So whether, whether there is a shadowy group of, of leaders that are plotting to, um, to harm the church, or whether it's just... Um, individual leaders drunk on power wanting to make rules for everything or somebody who thinks they're doing the right thing but overstepping their bounds regardless it's all vanity uh, like it says in ecclesiastes because um, only what's done for christ will last <clears throat> so these changes that they want to make or rules or crackdowns they're not going to last they can be overturned by the next king the next president, the next governor, whatever, the, um, the next premier, I mean, whatever title you want to put on it, it's all vanity because it, it's all building on sand, not building on rock. Absolutely. And I think just these first couple of verses, like I said, good reminder to the body of Christ right now that may be experiencing a little harsher um, 
restrictions or even, you know, looking away from North America, we think of our brothers in North Korea and China and some parts of uh, Africa and, you know, restrictions and COVID lockdown is just like a drop in the bucket to what they experienced. Mm -hmm. But just that good reminder to them, like, like you said, all these things are vain, all these fighting against the church and, and against God's will and against his people, it's all vain in the end. Um, I think that's just a beautiful reminder for for God's people that they, you know, they're not going to succeed um, mm-hmm. as a vain thing. I also I think the, that... Oh, go ahead. Well, I love the irony of verse 3 based on that vanity too because they're, they're thinking... By by conspiring against the Lord and His in His Word and in His Church, that they're they're ridding themselves of chains. You know, we're going to tear their fetters apart, cast away their cords from us. They're actually chaining themselves down more. They're more and more enslaved to their sin. They're not getting free. They're actually getting more enslaved. Absolutely. And uh, as I was saying, my testimony: those that are involved in false gospels and false religions and cults, to be very blunt, they're the ones that they see the world casting off the true Christ's, uh, I mean, commands, but just the way that we're to follow Christ and the way that Christ commands his church into obedience, um, because, like he says, his burden is light, his yoke is easy, they're not commands to keep us down to the ground, but commands to bring us up from the mud, be yoked together with him. And the world wants to cast that off because they see the true uh, the true Jesus of the Bible as some overbearing rule guy, you know, rule maker. <laughs> and, and seeing the world trying to get out from underneath his rule, it seems like these false gospel peddlers and these cults are all too quick to run over to them and be like, yeah, you know, the Jesus that I preach, he, he's not all about all that. He's, he's more like the Jesus that you think Jesus should be like, you know? And, oh, yeah. and like you said, and like you said, all of this false teaching and, and uh, false religion is just adding the chains on unknowingly to the people. It's like, hey, you know, yeah, take that rope off of your back, but, but here, here's this five-pound chain, but it's gold. You know, <laughs> it looks really good around your neck, but it's also going to drag you to the ground, you know. <laughs> you fall in the lake and it's just going to sink you to the bottom and drown you. Absolutely. And and the sad thing is, is that it seems like those who aren't, like I said, those who aren't in their Bibles, you know, pursuing God's word and pursuing his truth, it's it's so common that we see those kind of people be like, well, you know, so-and-so it was doing this message and he said this about this passage and it sounded great. And it's like, yeah, it sounded great because it was a lie. You know? <laughs> Everything sounds yeah. good when you sugarcoat it, but... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, no, we see examples exactly. we see examples of this in uh, two different passages. One in Jeremiah 5, uh, specifically verse 5, and it says, see here, Jeremiah 5, 5, says, I will go to the great and speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord and the ordinance of their God, but they too, with one accord, have broken the yoke and burst the bond. And it, 
is talking about those people that are great. And even though God's messengers go to speak to them and they know what God's way is and they know who the Lord is, they still want to get out from underneath them. And then uh, we also have the passage in Romans 1, you know, verse 21, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that reminder from those two passages that these people, like you said, they, they want to try to get out from underneath God, but they instead are putting more weight on themselves, and mm-hmm. God is allowing their hearts to be darkened because of their futile attempts to get out from under his rule. Yeah, and he... um he sees all this go on you know these these powers can seem very scary to us you know we who are in the world sometimes we're under the authority the 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 earthly authority of some of these rulers um but god isn't you know god's above all of that and he's sovereign so he he has the ability to sit in in heaven and laugh the way it says in verse four and even scoff at them you know holy scoffing you know he has full knowledge of when they're going to get theirs. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's something that I made sure I made a note of, was that he's laughing at them, and not because it's funny or amusing mm-hmm. to him, but because he knows the outcomes of their attempts. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like God, uh, like oftentimes people will have the false concept that God is just kind of like, well, he's watching what's going on, and, you know, like, well, he'll tweak the plan as it goes, but but no, it's that God knows exactly what they're doing and exactly how it's going to turn out. It's not like a surprise to him when, when a, a guy wakes up one day and he's like, I think I'm going to go do this, you know? <laughs> so it's not entertaining to God. He's laughing in a way at, you know, watching his creation and watching the things go down exactly as he's seen it all. You know, he's seen it and he's planned it. And he knows that all these things have a purpose and it's, it's all doing the things that they're supposed to do, but they're the way that they do it. And I think that the way that we sometimes just, we, we think we're getting away with a sin and God looks at us and it's not entertaining to him, but he's laughing because he knows the outcome. Um, it reminds me of when in Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, not Deuteronomy, um, when God is laying out the blessings and curses to the nation of Israel, and God gets done with all the blessings, like, you know, if you do this this way, it's going to be great. If you do this, it's going to be awesome. You know, obey me. This is going to be sweet. You're going to, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And then he's like, but when you do mess up, you know, <laughs> and he just, you know, just piles and piles and piles of curses. When you do this thing, which they end up doing in like two more books, this is going to happen. And when you do this thing, which is you know which happens at the end of Samuel, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> you know? So I think that it's not him laughing because it's entertaining, but it's him laughing because all it's doing is furthering the fact that he is God, and people that pay attention to his word, whether they are believers or not, they see these things, you know, coming just as he said they would, and God has the opportunity to laugh. At, at it happening because he knows what's going to happen from it, and he scoffs at those 
who would look at him and and you know actively try to fight against him having that evidence in front of them you know like he scoffs and he mocks mocks them because uh, he just knows uh, Psalm 37 says oh, Psalm 37:13 says the Lord laughs at him at the wicked uh, for he sees his day coming wow so God knows what you're doing, and God knows the plot that you're plotting, but he also knows the judgment that they'll receive for those plots. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they, they get his anger, and, and he, he, speaks to, he speaks words of, of uh, terrifying import to them. Absolutely. Uh, like it says in verse five, um, you know he's not—he's not, he's not going to let them wonder. You know, oh, maybe I'm righteous. Maybe this is the right thing. You know, he—he he makes it plain um, that the wages of sin is death. You know, that there are consequences for uh, for uh, cosmic treason against the holy God. To quote R.C. Sproul. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll just—I want to reread. Psalm 2.5, when he says, then he'll speak to him in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, and I think this is really the thing, uh, just the fact that he, in verse 6, as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. So it's not even... Like some people would think like, oh, well, God's going to get his, you know, just send like a lightning bolt down, or he's going to get his in, in Exodus, he's going to open the ground up and swallow the dissenters. It's, it's, no, it's God has installed Christ as king. We have all that we need through Christ, and we all, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you have to do something with Christ because he is the one that's king and ruling over the earth at this time. And everybody has to figure out Am I going to submit to Christ, or am I going to actively fight against him and his way and his rule? And, and that actively fighting against him, like I said earlier, the majority of the time it isn't like, you know, waking up, getting with your, with your other, you know, baddies or whatever, being like, <laughs> how, how are we going to attempt to overthrow him today? But it's, it's just having that coworker that is a faithful follower of Christ and is reading their Bible and, and, you know, not necessarily Ned slandering it up, but, <laughs> but you, for a fact, <laughs> you know, Hi-ho, for a fact, Nigelio. as a Christian. <laughs> and, uh, I remember as an unbeliever, that guy was so annoying to me because mm-hmm. not, and it wasn't because he was annoying because anything he was saying was wrong, but he was annoying because everything he was saying was right. 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 In my in my heart of hearts, I knew if I need if I need to be closer to God, even just for my own good, you know, just just to have a decent life, even you know, putting salvation as you know, as, like out of my mind at that time in my life. Even if I just wanted to live a better life, I had to acknowledge that Christ was king, like mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. And 
and that would infuriate me when I was, you know, back in, my wife says, back in our BC days, that would infuriate <laughs> me knowing, like, that guy knows Christ on a level that I am just refusing to right now. And I'm refusing mm-hmm. to because I like the sinful life better. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like what those first four verses were talking about. And then five and six hit it so hard. God just saying, I'm going to tell you in my anger and in my fury what I'm going to do about this. I'm going to put Christ as king over you. Hmm. I'm going to put the one that not only lived the perfect life, uh, but also died on your behalf as your king. So you have to do something with the with the priceless son of God. You have to do something with him. You're either going to bow before him. Like you said, we're all either going to, we're all going to bow one day, but it's either going to be willingly or forcibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so thankful that reading through the Bible, that that conviction came. And I knew in that moment, man, I'm going to have to be forced so that I can later be willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's huge. You know, every sinner is a wannabe king. You know, every sinner wants to be his own sovereign. You know, the the captain of your fate, the master of your soul, like that uh, Invictus poem says. You don't, you know, you don't get to be your own king. Um, that that's not that's not how it works in the ultimate sense. Um, you will have to bow to a king. You're exactly right, and it's it's Christ. And either you can you can bow now and and gladly submit yourself to his rule and 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 experience the benefits of of union with him or you can you can take the knee one day and uh and be cast away i i like the first option a lot more and it's not because i'm better than anyone else it's because his grace was shown to me right it's that it's that christ yeah, it's that Christ revealed himself to us in such a way that we realized that we weren't better than anybody else. And that, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that's the hardest thing to get across to people that are not followers of Christ. It's, it's not that we think we're better than anybody else. It's the fact that I think I'm worse than most people. You know, I can right. acknowledge <laughs> that and I can acknowledge it because he has shown himself to me in such a way that made me realize I I need I need to want to bow right now, and he's mm-hmm. the only one that can make me feel that need. Yeah. And and that that initial act of repentance is just saying, I know I I need to want to bow. <laughs> I, I think that's a good that, way of putting it. Yeah. Um, going from there, because you like you were saying. As, yeah, as I was saying, God has installed Christ as king over everything. And then so we see in verse 7 it says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. So this like kind of changes, because at first there it was it was God speaking, and then I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. It's kind of David saying <laughs> what he's heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know a lot of times people who may not necessarily do like uh, they may not believe in the prophetic ability of the Bible 
so the Bible being able to prophetically portray the future from the past, obviously not those who would were in submission to Christ, um, but we're talking like hyper skeptics and hyper critical people of the text. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course they would point to a passage in Second Samuel um, where it is God saying these similar things directly to David. Um, so in Second Samuel seven thirteen through fifteen, it does say, "He shall build a house for my name." So David built a house for Yahweh. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed it before you. And so, yes, this is kind of David repeating some of that. But in the context of this particular psalm, we know... You know, just specifically from verse 8 of this psalm, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. And, I mean, that just screams to me um, passages in the New Testament where Jesus is saying, specifically like in Matthew 28, when he says, Mm -hmm. all authority has been given to me. You know? So who else, who else ever... And, you know, not only in the Bible, but in all of history can say that all authority on heaven and in heaven and on earth has been given to them, nobody but Christ alone. And also important to know on that basis that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples. And he calls them to go to the to the ends of the earth. <laughs> um, so there's there's a, a really deep parallel here between the authority given to Christ, as we see here in Psalm 2, in the Great Commission. He's he's sent his church to the ends of the earth to proclaim his gospel and to disciple people, um, and, and the church uh, is to grow and expand. Um, but it's, it's all rooted in the fact of exactly what you said, that Jesus is preeminent and sovereign over every corner of the earth. It's his authority. Absolutely. It's in his authority, not ours. Absolutely. And, I and think he that, rules them. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I think that a lot of times people think, you know, I was talking to my wife about this earlier today, just the concept that, well, yeah, Jesus is reigning in heaven right now, but he's not really reigning here on the earth. And and when I think of that, I just I have to ask the question, like, well, what makes you confident in sharing the gospel or what makes you confident in planning that church or what makes you confident in, in wanting to end abortion? What makes you confident in anything you're trying to do for mm-hmm. the kingdom? If, if Christ isn't reigning right now, right. you know, like if, if it's all like, well, Jesus is just in heaven, then <laughs> what's, what's the effort for? Where's your, where's your confidence to do any of those things? If Christ, so, I mean, does that mean he, o- he only had authority on the earth when he was on the earth? And as soon as he ascends, he kind of washes his hands of the earth. I don't think so. Absolutely. Not in the, Absolutely. Not in the least. <clears throat> so back to the text in verse eight, like it says, I've unso- or I'm sorry. Uh, verse eight says, ask me, I'll surely give the nations your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Um, you know, all tribes, tongues, 
people groups, you know, however you want to put it, they're all subject to Christ to the very ends of the earth. And that gospel proclamation that we are direct, like we're commanded to share is one that you need to repent and you need to be made right with God. But two is that you need to submit to his kingship and his rule. So the gospel is a one-on-one message to people, but it's also a call of submission for governing authorities, whether it be a king or, or a dictator or a governmental system, that it be in submission to Christ. And those kind of things only happen when the gospel is preached to the people and the people come to repent. That's why, like you mentioned, we are commanded to go into the, all, all the world to preach that gospel message. Um, and then looking into verse 9, it says, you shall, so again, God speaking to the person that this is directed to, so God speaking to Christ personally, he says, you shall break them with a rod and iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware or pottery. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so, but you shall break and rule them. I think in that particular part, it's talking about the rebellious people. So those people from those first three verses, yes, but also us and our rebellion. So it's an initial breaking and ruling over the rebellious and shattering them like pottery. But it's also a continuous breaking us, like uh, like the phrase, you break a horse. You know, sometimes, sometimes... We've we've began our walk of repentance, and the Lord has shined into us and given us that new heart of flesh. But we still like to buck, you know. Oh yeah. And oh, and yeah. we need to be broken. We need to be broken before Christ and His commands, so that when we see the sin in our life, we know to submit. Not not just keep bucking that command, but to but to be broken before Him. Um. And like I was mentioning about the, the governmental systems and rules, I think of the second half of that verse, you shall shatter them like pottery. And I heard this analogy a long time ago um, when I, we were still newer Christians listening to, like we listened to sermons, just quick side note, listen to sermons all day long. Like we read that, we read our Bible those first 56 days and then like forever afterwards, all day long sermons, whether it was podcast or radio, everything that we could get in, we wanted it because we had so many questions and we were so hungry for answers. Um, and I'm sure Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick really fed you well, didn't they? Oh yes, yeah, they were. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> amazingly enough. Oh, you know, we try to tell people all the time, if you read your word, you will not, you will not fall into these things. Yeah. And man, I cannot tell it's... you how often somebody would be like, you should really listen to this pastor. And I no sooner would listen to their intro of the passage and I'd be like, no, this is, this is not good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that discernment, great... man. When yeah, you that's... just read your Bible, that discernment level just shoots straight up. Yeah. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, um, there, I think there is something to say about force feeding yourself scripture especially at that moment in your life and just the discernment that comes with that much scripture being on your mind uh just piled on and piled on and piled on you know uh to it, i think that makes it easier to be a, a berean in that moment because you have so much you 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 guys would have had so much of that scripture 
just piled into your short-term memory even at that moment as you meditated on it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where discernment comes from. It's from knowing the Word. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, just that constant pursuit of the answers, too, because a lot of times I think people, they get into this habit, as more mature Christians often do, they get into this habit of, well, I'm going to read my Bible for a minute, and then that's just what I do for the day. Like, this is my set <laughs> 20 minutes of reading, and then they go on with their day, like, well, that's just what I do by habit. But being fresh to Christ and, and having that broken heart for him and wanting to not only read his word to get to know him, but also to understand it, that desire to understand it, man, we, we just couldn't get enough. Like, I really, I really wish that God would have placed teachers like Sproul and MacArthur and uh, even Dr. White in my path sooner mm -hmm. than he did, mm -hmm. because a lot of what we were consuming we knew was garbage, so we were throwing it out, and and we just were so we were so hungry for truth, but we just weren't finding it right away because we didn't have those people around us that were there to point us towards uh, these solid men of God that dig deep and explain things on a level for people to understand. So a lot you of showed it discernment, and you took yeah, warning. Absolutely. So a lot of that it wasn't, you know, we knew Joel Olstein wasn't good. <laughs> we, knew, <laughs> we, knew, we knew Kenneth Copeland was not good. <laughs> so where but, are the good guys at? <laughs> yeah, and that was the thing. It was it was trying to figure out who the good guys were, because uh, you know, you know, everybody, even unbelievers know, and that's the shameful thing is yeah, that even unbelievers know who the false teachers are, but there's still people following them. And it's such a testament to what God later says that, you know, when that is what, you know, he will give them teachers for their itching ears, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it, yeah, just that, that knowing that if that's really what your heart desires in your rebellion, God is going to give it to you. It's, it's almost <clears> a sign <throat> of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. It, absolutely. You want to get your ears tickled, then that's all you'll get and you'll starve spiritually. Um, so that was a huge, huge rabbit trail. But it came back around because, it did, yeah. because you, you and your wife took the advice, uh, whether you consciously knew it or not, of verse 10. Now, therefore, kings, show discernment. Take warning, judges of the earth. You have to Absolutely. wake up. Yeah, and like I was saying, that gospel proclamation to the systems and governments and kings, uh, verse 10, speaking about the redemption of rulership, you know, he calls the kings to show discernment and take warning to the judges of the earth. You know, so redemption mm -hmm. of rulership, redemption of whole nations and how they're ran, redemption of the land itself, um, and all of that redemption being because of this obedience to the call for submission to Christ and his rulership. Because mm -hmm. um, he put you also, on your throne, whatever throne or, or office or, or, or council seat, whatever, whatever place of authority these earthly kings have, they are on that throne because Christ put them there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just that needing to acknowledge that, you know, whether, whether you were going to, uh, 
be fully submitted or not is entirely a God thing, but you still need to submit to his rulership and his ways. I think of um, like King Cyrus in the Old Testament or um, the King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He may not have been a Jew, you know, he may not have been Jewish, he may not have been an Israelite, and is in Israel, you know, mm-hmm. following through with all of the sacrifices and, and the ways that the Lord told the Israelites that they needed to follow him. But he knew something was up, and he submitted to Yahweh. And that's the call for the nations and the rulers of the earth, is that they need to submit, whether they're going to personally be obedient is between them and God and God working on their heart, but they need to rule in submission to Christ's rulership. Um, and then verse 11 tells them how to do it, right? Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. And so uh, other, other translations say something along the lines of like serve with fear, Right. So right. that message, that message, like I said, to rulers or governments with fear or reverence, who to one, you know, like why would they do that? Because of who Christ is, and because of what God has done to nations and rulerships and tribes and tongues and all that before Christ. We remember, I mean, back to Genesis, the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. God raining down judgment on those peoples for what they did against him. And then we think, you know, post-flood, we think of Egypt and how God brought down Egypt uh, in the book of Exodus. We think of the land of Cana as the Israelites were allowed to go into the land of Cana to pass judgment on those people groups for their disobedience, their sin, and their fighting against God. Uh, We think of Assyria and Babylon who kind of were at war with each other, but they both came in to attack Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was judged for their disobedience. And then ultimately, in history, we come back to Jerusalem and back to uh, Christ being in Jerusalem, not only telling people that they need to repent and they need to submit to his rulership, but that judgment was coming to them. And of course, we see that in history and 70 AD when Jerusalem fell to Rome, and then we see later in history Rome falling, you know, for, for not recorded in the Bible, but we can see from the pattern of history their, their unwillingness to submit to Christ and his rulership. They did it, they did it in a way where, you know, Rome recognized uh, Christianity as religion and Rome recognized Christianity as like the true religion or the truest religion in a sense. And they were doing all these things on the surface, I think. But when we go and look through history, we see that Rome was also doing a lot of things that, you know, even some things we would still in our messed up society today think was off. And that, that inability to submit and that purposeful rebellion against God and his rulership led to their destruction as well. So that fear for God um, because of who he is and what he's capable of doing, and that shouldn't cause them to 
you know, hide in a hole somewhere, <laughs> as it says, <laughs> like the people will do in Revelation, right? Where it says, right. like, uh, the kings, okay, in Revelation 6, you know, then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us <laughs> from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day that their wrath has come, and who is able to stand. And what this is saying is that it doesn't have to end up like that for you, right. you know, right. whether you're an individual or, or a whole nation state, it doesn't have to end up for like that for you. You can, as a, uh, verse 11 says in the psalm, you can rejoice with trembling. Again, yeah, it's the opposite of rebellion is to worship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, this message, is, it's for all the peoples, for how he rules over them, for how Christ rules over them. And it's in trembling again, because we know who Christ is. And we know um, what he can do, not only to the nations, as we, as we saw, you know, flood Egypt, Babylon, but also what he can do, as it says in Matthew, you know, fear not the one who can kill just the body, but fear the one who can kill both body and soul. Again, like you said, not like those people in Revelation who are, who are crying to the rocks to fall on them, to hide them, but that open ability to worship God. And again, in trembling, because we know who he is and we know what he's capable of, we know that he can destroy both body and soul in his eternal judgment, but that we are able to still because of his grace and mercy towards us to worship him um like you said in verse 12 to i took a couple different translations because do homage was kind of a little weird to me in the nazi <laughs> but you know like do homage kiss the sun um one of the notes in the nazi that i uh, the app that i used was lay hold of instruction from him um mm. And just all three of those in a way that it covers, again, all the different levels, whether you're the king or you're the government or you're the individual, you need to do that public acknowledgement of your allegiance to Christ, either, either by submitting to his rulership or by making laws that are in agreement with his laws or by laying hold of what he has said in your personal life beginning with your repentance and then that constant um, desire to be conformed to his image as your life continues, that sanctification process. But what kind of gets me in that verse 12 is that it says, lest he become angry, <clears throat> lest he become angry and you perish in the way, and his, for his wrath may be soon kindled. And I think that, you know, we know that the character of God is that he's not a hot-headed or a loose cannon God, you know. Yeah, but slow that to anger. Wrath, right, but his wrath does come into those that um, are not followers of his. It does often seem to come very quickly. Um, again, pointed that passage in Revelation, it's almost as if they're caught unaware of what's going down but if they would have just looked towards Christ and were obedient to him and pursued his word, they would have known that these things were coming and they could have, you know, uh, gotten out of the city as Jesus was telling them, 
you know, when you see these things happening, don't go back into your house. Just run. Just get out. And we as Christians, reading his word and seeking to be obedient, we do see these things coming, and we do know the end result of our actions and our rebellion, and we know these things, and so the Holy Spirit leads us to repent of them ongoingly. But for those that are outside of Christ, all of this comes, you know, like the phrase goes, as a thief in the night. They just, it's almost like they wake up and they're like, oh man, wrath, you know, (laughs) I wasn't expecting this. Um, They get wrath and we get refuge. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a sad thing because we are constantly telling them that they need that refuge, but they see it as all we're saying is, you're only getting wrath. But Mm -hmm. but we're telling you about your wrath. We're telling you about the wrath because we want you to seek refuge. We want you to be counted in our number as safe and saved from God's eternal judgment and wrath instead of bearing it for yourself. You know, take take refuge in the one who bore it on our behalf so that you do not have to bear it for all eternity. And I really like the passage in Psalm 5 that says, How blessed are all those who take refuge in him, as it says also in Psalm 12. How blessed are those. And again, just knowing that you know, I could have went the rest of my life as a nominal Christian and thought that I was doing the right thing by taking my wife and, and family to church and still have died a sinner because I would have still been blinded to my need for repentance because it's not me, you know, quote unquote, like I mentioned earlier, being Ned Flanders doesn't get you to heaven. <laughs> repentance and faith in Christ gets you to heaven. Um, yep. and I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that every time I read that phrase or a phrase similar to it in the Bible, how blessed are all those who take refuge in him, knowing that I am blessed just because my eyes were opened to know that I had to take refuge in him. And, and you know, what it doesn't say, and I think this is part of what's so rich about this, is it's not how blessed are all those who made a deal with him. Blessed are all those who made themselves lovely to him. How blessed are all who um, who did all they could, and then grace took them the rest of the way. No, how blessed are those who take refuge in him? Absolutely, we Amen. we can't do it. We can't do it on ourselves. We're we need refuge. We're the helpless ones. And rather than take wrath, we've seen his grace, and we we take refuge in him. I think I just think that's like the perfect image for this because I can't save myself. I can't build myself a, a, a decent enough shack to escape the wrath. No, I need the refuge of Christ. Amen. Absolutely. And that is, you know, I know that a lot of times we as Christians, we don't want to come off as that, that crazy hellfire brimstone, you know, deep Southern accent. Hey men shouting, <laughs> You know, hey, Mike! Street preacher, <laughs> that street preacher that says, burn or burn, you know? We don't want to mm-hmm. come off as that guy, but but there needs to be that message of coming wrath of God in our gospel presentation. You know, otherwise, what else, like, what are the people being 
saved from, why should I repent? You know, if all you do is go around telling people you need to become a follower of Christ and you never tell them why, then why yeah. would they? Yep. You know, it's it's like uh, uh, so I'm a I'm a heavy set frog, you know, and every now and then I go to the doctor. <laughs> And he tells me, hey, if you lose a little bit of weight, you won't, you know, you won't get the diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> the sugar diabetes. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, I don't want the sugars. So guess what I do? I go on a diet for a while. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. If he didn't tell me why, I wouldn't listen. And so that's, but that, you know, it's a very comical way to say when we preach the gospel, we can't just tell people you should repent and expect them to understand it. We need to tell them why, and we need to tell them who Christ is. And we need to tell them the Christ of the Bible. We need to tell them the Christ that is going to return in judgment. You know, not the Christ that's that's your best buddy that wants to give you a high five because you read your Bible today, that wants to, you know, make sure that you get that job promotion. Not a false Jesus, but a Jesus that is going to come in judgment that is ruling and reigning over the earth right now and as verse 12 says again we must do homage to him lest we become angry and i think that like you said it's a beautiful reminder that how we do that homage is not through works it's not through cleaning our life up it's not through you know, making sure that we check all the boxes. It's it's just by recognizing that he is coming in wrath, but he is also allowing us to take refuge in him by submission. It's nothing that we can yeah. do. It's everything that he has done. And, and that beautiful picture that, you know, <clears throat> uh, I forget which book in the Chronicle of Narnia, but just the line they're asking about Aslan and they're asking if he's safe and they're like, no, he's not safe, but he is good. And knowing that God is that, it's that same way. He's not safe. He is coming in wrath and you will either bear that yourself or you can understand that he's good and take his offer of forgiveness through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ today and find a refuge in that totally unsafe coming that that will come wow that was uh that was excellent so uh um it's been really good talking with you today froggy <laughs> about this song <laughs> uh really appreciate you coming on um thank you for for these insights thank you for uh the bit about your testimony and thank you for the memes oh absolutely thank you for appreciating my memes <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep sharing them on the Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely, I thank you. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah, the uh, your 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 meme account makes uh, Twitter a nicer place. So thank you. <laughs> you know, I try. Twitter is Twitter is definitely how does everybody say it? Twitter is definitely a cesspool, and it's really yes. hard to find good things on there. Um, and so you know. That's where I started with Twitter, and that's what I realized about Twitter. And so I was like, you know what? This place needs memes. <laughs> yep. yep. It must be redeemed, and memes are a good it way to do be. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the Reformation will be memed. 
Uh, yes, God ordained the ends and the means. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's, that's the so, message we're trying to spread. <laughs> I love it. Hey, uh, why, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and get a slice of these memes themselves? Absolutely. So you can find uh, the frog on Facebook and Twitter. I'm in a couple other places also. Um, they're not very big. Uh, places like Corner Table. I'm on Gab. And anywhere that you have uh, social media, you can find me at the Lord's Day Frog, all one word. Um, right now, we're doing a big reading thing. Uh, again, a part of my testimony is the fact that we were told to read the Bible, and we did. And a part of the ministries that I've been involved in uh, over the last five and a half years have been pushing people towards reading the Bible for themselves. And I'm trying to help everybody do that uh, by having a hashtag read with the frog. Um, right now we're doing Bible in a year. We're on day, I think like a hundred and what is it, 147 of the year right now. Wow, dude. Um, wow. We're in, we're in Chronicles and John right now, um, and it's never too late. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we're going to do this repetitively. So every day of the week, except for the Lord's Day, we give you passages to read. Um, it is a 365-day reading plan, so it's, there are some days where there's a lot of reading. Most of the days there's not. Mm -hmm. we, we really love to encourage everybody that follows uh, the frog to also uh, pick up wherever you're coming into it. Just read along. Um, eventually you'll get back to where you started, and you'll be able to say what very, very few Christians can say. I think there was a poll once that said only 5% of professing Christians have actually read their Bible more than one. And, and oh we want to make sure that that number shoots from 5 to 95. That's, that's my heart's go. mission. That's my heart's mission is to, to just encourage people and help people to read and understand their Bible. So uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at the Lord's Day Frog. Get on that hashtag, hashtag read with the frog. Um, support us uh, by buying some merch. If you go to the Lord's Day shop creator or creator dash spring .com, um, I got t-shirts on there. I got hoodies on there. Uh, I got some kids clothes on there. I got a little bit of everything. Um, and so we would, we just love your support. We love uh, getting feedback also. So you, I've got open DMs on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can email us, lordsdayfrog at gmail.com. Um, I love answering questions. That was a big part of, uh, I just served for five years in my local jail ministry. And that's what my focus was, was just taking the questions and answering them. Um, nice. And of course, nice. most, of, most of my answers were, this is what the Bible says, and here is where you can read it for yourself. Um, because again, <laughs> the, again, the, the only answers we have. Absolutely, the the biggest biggest mission of, that the Lord has laid on my heart is just to get people one to read their Bibles and two to fellowship with the saints. Which is why uh, I have donned the mantle of the Lord's Day frog, <laughs> making sure everybody gets that fresh meme on the Lord's Day calling them to worship with a Bible verse, an announcement, and, and something to, to brighten your morning as you get the kids ready. Because I know, I know personally, i got two kids, sometimes that kind of like sucks the joy out of the day. 
you know, <laughs> trying to get the kids around. But but sometimes that fresh meme kind of just puts that smile on your face and you realize, hey, you know what? This is God. This is the Lord's day. This is the day that Christ risen from the grave and we are going to celebrate him and remember what he has done for us. Even if I got to drag the kids out, we're going to make it on time and we're going to rejoice in the Lord together with uh, with our fellow saints. And so uh, follow us, go to church, read your Bibles, make sure that you uh, keep listening to the Guys with Bibles podcast because these guys are great. I love Lee, love Scott. Um, wish Sean would come back on, you know? <laughs> I understand I know, he's busy, but, I know. but man, I miss, I miss hearing his hey men's out in the background, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he's but, a character. Yeah. He is, man. <laughs> But yeah, I love you guys. Uh, thanks for letting me join you on the podcast and kind of just share a little bit of of what I think about the passage and allowing me to share this message to all the listeners. Absolutely. Glad to have you on. Great talking to you. And for more info about Guys with Bibles, it's going to be in the show notes. There's nothing really else for me to say other than the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.